0: you would take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 6. If you're using the Pew Bible there in front of you, it's on page 685. We're continuing our sermon series, walking through um, the Sermon on the Mount. One of the things I was reminded of this past week as I was looking at this passage and preparing for today is how practical the Sermon on the Mount is. That every point along the way, Jesus penetrates those things that you and I often wrestle and struggle with as we seek to live the life of faith to which he's called us. Matthew chapter 6 beginning in verse 25. Jesus says, therefore I tell you do not worry about your life what you will eat or drink or about your body what you will wear. It's not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes. Look at the birds of the air they do not sow or reap or store away in barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them. I was at a wedding rehearsal dinner the other night, and one of the things that's fun about going to wedding rehearsal dinners is to watch the pictures that they put up of the people who are getting married. And you get to see them when they're young, and then as they progress through life. And and you all, I'll just admit to you that I'm one of the most uh, sentimental people you'll ever meet. And the only way I can usually hold it together is if there's no music behind the pictures. But if you give me pictures and music, usually, you know, I'm, I'm the guy that's like, "I'm not crying, you're crying." you know? It's just something about the passing of time that, that is hard for us as humans, that, that we are people who yearn for eternity. Like we, we long for there not to be this reality out there before us that one day, barring Christ's return, that you and I are going to pass from this life. And it's difficult for you and I to inhabit a world where we know that that reality is out there. And sometimes you and I do one of two things as we think about time and the passing of time. One of the things that we do is we look back with great nostalgia on the past. There's a part of us that we look back and we remember the good old days when everything was right with the world, and if we could just somehow get back to that bygone era, if we could bring it forward in the future, that, oh, life would be so great. I, when I was uh, preparing to interview to become your pastor in hopes that I would become your pastor, I read back through the church history, and it's interesting to read back through the church history. And would you believe that, that like people used to go to church on Wednesday and twice on Sunday? Do any of you remember the good old days? Wednesday, twice on Sunday. And it's easy to look back at that and be like, oh gosh, if we could just get back. Those people were so faithful. Like they loved Jesus so much. Until you read like the history and you're like, why did people stop coming to church on Sunday night? 60 minutes. You know, like something was better to do, apparently, than go back to church again. Like, hey, we did that. We went Wednesday, we went Sunday morning. There's really no need to go back on Sunday night. We've already heard enough about that for the week. There's actually, a, And so you look back, and it's easy to be like, oh, they were so great. Likely there were some really great faithful people back then. But also there's just more things to do. Like if we threw a skating party every Saturday night in the church gym, It wouldn't necessarily be overflowing with people. The people have moved on. There's things for them to do out there. And we can do that in so many areas of our life that we just, if we could just get back to that bygone era. And really, here's the thing it wasn't as good as you remember it. Even if we could, it wasn't as good as you remember it. And you miss out on all the gifts of the present. I was. found a cartoon online several weeks ago that I came across. And it was a picture of somebody sitting there with a photo album, and they were flipping through their photo album, and they were obviously emotionally distraught. And they said, oh, I just didn't appreciate those days when I had them. Missing the irony that in the moment, they weren't appreciating the day that they had. But that's what nostalgia does to us. It kind of keeps us from enjoying and appreciating the present. And if we don't do that, you and I are sometimes obsessed with looking at the future and all the bad things that are likely to happen, and we get anxious. Um, One bit of pastoral advice I would give you, um, do not watch the news. Just don't watch the news, generally. Especially don't watch the news all day, every day. There are people in my family back home that I'm trying to convince it's not a good thing for you to be doing. Because there is this kind of 24-hour news cycle of everything's bad and it's only getting worse. And if this person gets elected, oh, they're coming for you. Or if this person gets elected, everything's going to be great. right? There's all these stories that you and I, if we're not careful, we believe. And the anxiety that we feel is just... It's a moneymaker for other people. That they tend to profit from you and I being more anxious. And Jesus comes into a world like that. I'm telling you, Sermon on the Mount is so pertinent and relevant. And he says something like, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious about what you'll eat or what you'll drink or about your body what you'll put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? There's a way for you and I to go through life acting as if there is nothing else except for food and clothing. That if I just had this to wear, or if I just had this to eat, or if I just had this place to live, That all these things out there in the future, if I just had all these things, then my heart would be so satisfied and I would experience peace. And the problem with that is that that you and I never can be fully satisfied with whatever it is that we get. Just this past week, I went on one of my dad tirades. Any dads in here ever go on tirades every now and then? And I was just like, hey, we're not going to watch any more reality TV in here. Um, in part, because if we watch Ben and Aaron or whoever else fix up one more house, we're like, I thought my house was pretty decent. My house is rubbish. I just need this or that. There's, there's always that something else out there that you think that if you had, it would make you satisfied. Or these commercials about like, what's your number so that you can retire? Hey, what's your magic number so you can retire? I know the first group, I don't know what my number is, but I'm almost confident it's more than I have. Like, it's more than I have. And I could be filled with all this anxiety and questions about, well, should I do this? Or how can I save this? Or how can I accumulate this to make sure that everything is squared away and that I'm not going to have any need or want or issues in the future? How can I be as self-sufficient as possible? And there's all this anxiety that works into our hearts and lives if we're not careful. Parents, we are some of the worst at this with our kids. That we think that there's something that we can do to make sure that they have this safe, healthy, wonderful, thriving future out there before them. If we can just get them in the right class or the right classes at school. Or to make sure that they take this class and then this class because you know the PSAT's coming. And then you know the SAT's coming. And, like, if Joe wants to go to Yale, we got to get on this. right? Or sports teams. Now, I've never been guilty of this one, promise. You're like, if we can just get them on the right sports team or if we miss this or we miss that, then they're not going to be an NFL first-round draft pick or they're not going to be the first pick in next year's MLB draft. You know, a side note there, I read an article one time. It said, the best way to tell if you have a chance to be a Major League Baseball player is to count all of the Major League Baseball players in your family. And I told somebody that one day who actually signed a Major League contract, and he said, you know what's funny? That was actually a question I had to answer. How many people in your family play professional sports? Well, you know what my answer is? Zero. (laughs) But we can all believe that there's this thing that you and I have to do, these hoops we have to jump through if we can just do all these things, and there's this anxiety that just swirls in us as it relates to trying to make sure our kids have all this future. And one of the really negative parts about that is that as we focus on all these things that obviously really are secondary, that we can miss out on focusing on things that are primary. And we forget that life is more than food or clothing or sports or academics. And it really is the case that your child could be the valedictorian of the best school system that you can find or the starting whatever that your heart desire, and be totally bankrupt as it relates to their heart and their soul and their spirit. But we get so anxious chasing all of these things, and we lose sight of what's of primary importance. And so Jesus comes in and he's like, Hey, all these things that you're chasing that make you so anxious that keep you up at night, Life is more than that. Life is more than that. And then he gives you examples from the natural world, which I appreciate. Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. Um, They don't gather stuff into barns. Now, here's the thing. Do birds work? They do. Um, You know, the bird can't just sit in the nest. I'm getting way outside my realm of expertise here. The bird can't just sit in the nest and be like, Everything's going to come to him. Like, they got to get out and go get after it. And even the, the Bible talks about this. Proverbs, wisdom literature is like, hey, if you're idle and sit around, don't expect anything great going to happen for you. Like, get out there and work and hustle. Like, hard work is not anti-Christian. However, there's a way for you and I to work and engage in our vocation as if everything's up to us, as if we don't do all these things Somehow there's scarcity, and the Lord's not present and at work. I experienced this in my work as a pastor. I was just talking to somebody this past week about anxiety and the way that I can worry about things. And I can think, you know what, right now everything seems to be okay. People coming to church. People joining the church. The budget's okay. But what about when it's not? You know? That part of my brain can be thinking, what if we don't get this? Or what if we don't do that? Or what if, what if I say something stupid in a message and everybody's like, you're out! There are all these ways that I can be anxious thinking about the future and do my work, even as a pastor, in a way that I'm not doing it from a perspective of faith and trusting that God's at work. And that all of this ultimately hangs upon him and his presence and his work my life, and our lives together and not just one person. then he says, look at all the lilies in the field. They don't toil or spin, but they're beautifully clothed. And the Lord provides for them. They're more beautiful than Solomon and all his splendor. He says, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to make sure that you have the clothes that you need. Maybe not the clothes you want, Per Mark's children's sermon, make sure you have the clothes that you need. And Jesus is telling us that as people of faith, that you and I, we ought to be different from people who aren't people of faith. Did you catch when he said that? The NIV translation says pagans. The English Standard Version says Gentiles. Verse 32 says, don't be anxious asking about all these things for the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. But there ought to be something different about us as people of faith who believe that God is our heavenly Father, that He knows what we need before we ask Him. That our priorities even ought to be shifted and our patterns of consumption ought to probably be different from people who aren't people of faith. I was really convicted in the first service when Austin was talking about Red Mountain Grace and the ministry that they have. Um, one, I have it really easy as a pastor visiting hospitals because they're all right around me. But some pastors are coming from, you name it, outlying city. And like their whole day's visiting a hospital because it's so far away from good medical care. And here we are, right, surrounded by all this great medical care. And these people are coming in from all these different places to get these treatments. And here's the thing, there's not enough places for them to stay. Which causes me to ask as a follower of Christ, am I stewarding what God's entrusted to me in such a way that there ought to be plenty of apartments for those people? Or is the issue there's not enough resources? Or is the issue that there aren't enough Christians living lives of faith and trust and stewarding what they have to make way for other people? Maybe there should never be a waiting list for people who, wanna, who need to stay in Birmingham to have a kidney transplant. Maybe it should always be taken care of. Verse 34. So, verse 33 So instead of seeking after all these things, first seek after God's kingdom and his righteousness. Make your primary aim in life not to make sure that you're taking care of all of your needs, your clothing, and what you're going to eat and where you're going to live. But but maybe make our first primary goal to make sure that God's kingdom is coming on earth, even as it is in heaven, and trusting that God's going to provide for us as we do that. And there's there, verse 34. He says, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. What's coming tomorrow? I do <laughs> Isn't that part of the human struggle? When you leave church today, I have no idea what is going to happen to you have no idea if all of us are going to make it back to worship next week, even if we wanted to. I have no idea. But here's the thing. I could spend all of my time worrying and thinking about what might happen. But when that day comes, um, there's going to be enough trouble and anxiety there. And all I'm called to do is to be faithful And to be grateful for this present moment that I have. Be grateful and thankful for this present moment that you have. When you leave, if your kids are here, take them to lunch. (laughs) Spend time with them. Glory in the fact that that you have that opportunity, right? Um, Walk outside. Be grateful for the beauty that you see around you. Be grateful for the fact that you could come to worship today. One, that you wanted to, which is a sign of God's grace and mercy in your life. And two, that you could. Like, I'm reminded of that all the time in what I do, that, that some people would love to be in worship today, but they can't. And how much better my life would be if I just walked in I'm grateful for the fact that I could be here among God's people. Right? So go this week, don't be anxious for anything. Your Heavenly Father knows what you need. He will provide for you. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. Trust Him that He's going to provide everything else that you need. And I think as we do that, you and I will experience more of the joy and the abundant life that God would have us to know. And that we would also be more faithful to live into the mission He's given us. I stood right there last night and officiated a wedding. These two young, sweet, innocent people. No idea what's before them. And just told them, has said, hey, as you go out in this future that you don't know what's going to be there, the thing you can be sure of is the same God who brought you into this sanctuary tonight. He's going to be with you wherever you go. And he'll provide for you. And same good news for you. As you go from this place, God's going to be with you and he's going to provide for you. So go in hope and joy of that. invite you, if you would, to pray with me. God, we thank you for the gift of your word. Thank you for the certainty of your love for us. And we pray that you would help us to not be anxious people. Help us to enjoy the gift of this present moment that you've given us and all the good things we see around us. We pray that you would help us to be agents of your peace in this world that others may come to know you through faith in christ we offer this prayer in his name amen we give you a chance to respond and it may be that you respond where you are in prayer um, maybe that you come forward and make a public decision um, to follow christ or to you this church however it is that god's leading you to respond we invite you to do so as we stand and sing
1: Your mercy overflows, your blessing is a river, on and on, and on it goes. You are an endless fountain, you're filling up my life, my heart must sing your praises, Jesus, you be glorified. You are a generous giver, your mercy overflows, your blessing is a river, on and on and on it goes. You are an endless fountain, you're filling up my life, my heart must sing your praises, Jesus, you be glorified
0: be seated for just one second all right I'm going to introduce the Abneys to you as well see I'm really twisting their arm this morning but they're so gracious and kind with me I want to introduce several people to you this morning Um, one Morgan Lee Lowry Um, she has been worshiping with us for a while now Um, she's from northern Alabama and um, she's really what was so encouraging as we spent time this week in the office was her talking about how at home that she's felt here among you um, and feels like this is where god is leading her to come and be a part of our church fellowship she comes from transfer of another church um, in our community so if you would receive morgan lee um, into our church we invite you to make that known by saying amen, amen. thank you so much morgan lee We're a better church today than we were before you came, Um, that God's given you a sense of calling and giftedness that we didn't have before and a sphere of influence. And so we look forward to coming alongside you and watching all that God's going to do in and through you and our church in the days ahead. So welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. You are so welcome. And then the Abneys who I had to pull up here, you know, Um, Karen and JJ and Trey Abney um, come. Had an awesome time to spend time with them this past week hearing more about their story and their sense of God leading them here um, to unite with us. They come also upon a transfer of letter from another church in our area, um, letting you know that they feel like God's leading them to join and be a part of what God's doing here at Mount Brook Baptist. So if you would welcome them into our fellowship, I invite you to make that known by saying amen. amen. Um, J.J. Trey, Karen, we're uh, so glad to welcome you into our church. Um, Just like I told Morgan Lee and like I tell everybody, that I think we're a better church now than we were before you came. That God's given you a sense of calling and mission and influence that we didn't have before you came. And we look forward to getting to know you better, walking alongside you as you grow in Christ and you help us become a more faithful church. So welcome to Mount Root Baptist Church officially. We're so glad to have you. Um, What we're going to do now, in just a second, is we're going to walk to the back because I want to make sure that you all say hi to these folks and introduce yourself to them really quickly on your way out to lunch. Don't worry about your life. It's more than food. (laughs) You'll get there in time. Um, But welcome them into our church. Let them know how glad that you are that they're here. Um, A couple of announcements. Next Sunday, the gentleman who did that fabulous children's sermon is going to preach the sermon. Um, so be praying for Mark this week. I'll be out of town. It's, don't worry, it's a much easier topic that none of you struggle with, judging other people. <laughs> so we go from anxiety to judging other people. Um, and then also, uh, tomorrow we have a new staff member who's starting at our church. His name is Ethan McVeigh. Um, he and his wife Caroline are coming here. and He's going to fill a new role, um, Minister of Preteen and Junior High Students. And i'm so excited about this role to help us shepherd people through what can be anxious periods of life of preaching into junior high and so um, there'll be an email going out so you can see a picture of them i thought it'd be smart on their first sunday for me just not be here so anyways make sure that you welcome them next sunday and let them know how excited you are about all that god's doing um, in our church invite you to stand just sing that chorus. Give us some music to walk out to you. Will that work, Grant? Yeah. I lost yeah. my pick. Okay. I'll come back.
1: You are a generous giver. Your mercy overflows. Your blessing is a river. On and on, and on it goes. You are an endless fountain. You're filling up my life. My heart must sing your praises. Jesus, you be glorified. Be glorified. You guys are dismissed.